He is none other than Snoop Dogg. Yeah, I've been bringing a piece of candy for you to look at. You might be able to taste it later, too. <laughs> Will Ferrell. I also ran into John Elway in the bathroom. He could have he given me a forearm shiver there. <laughs> Could have rammed my head. Long snapping expert Adam Carolla. We don't call ourselves long snapping what? expert. What do we We're, call ourselves? You just say black belt. You don't say black belt <laughs> karate expert. Black belt says it all. Matthew Perry. Our casting director said, "What about Nick Jonas? He's a pretty good actor." And I said, "Okay, great. Someone tell me who he is." <laughs> I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Presented by Papa John's, here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, presented by Papa John's. We have players, owners, and a federal judge, holy smokes, meeting together in secret in Chicago, Illinois. What in the world is that all about? Just when we thought there would be no negotiating, there would be no movement on the labor front until all of this legalese uh, in the Eighth Circuit was, was adjudicated. All of this arguing in front of three federal judges would be finally handled by the end of June. We thought nothing would go on between these two sides. And just when you thought that, maybe, just maybe this is something. Just like that line from Dumb and Dumber. It's just maybe, just just tell me we've got a chance. Just say there's a chance. And is this a sign that both sides are willing to hammer out a deal, even in the face of a courtroom, even with all of this going on? Could this be the sign? I didn't think we'd be talking about the labor dispute on this podcast this week. I didn't want to do that. I know there's a big court date at the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals on Friday, June 3rd. I didn't really want to talk about it. But when we find out that Roger Goodell and a handful of influential owners and Demoris Smith, the head of the NFL Players Association, with a handful of influential higher-up players on that chain of command, all met in Chicago for a couple of days with the actual federal magistrate who's been charged in mediating this by the federal judge that initially heard the antitrust case, all of them together on their own volition. What does that mean? We'll talk about that with our legal expert, Gabe Feldman, and Albert Breer, one of the reporters who helped break that story uh, after Brad Biggs of the Chicago Sun Times did that on Thursday. We'll talk about that with Albert and also with Gabe. Mark Hertzlick, what a story of this young man from Boston College. He was one of the best defensive players in all of college football in 2008, decided to stay in school for his 2009 season that got wiped out because he got a cancer diagnosis. And one of the best players in the ACC of 2008 goes into the draft in 2011 and doesn't get drafted. What's he doing right now as he waits for this lockout to end, to try and be one of those free agents to latch on to a team. What is he telling people who look to him for inspiration? What a story Mark Kurtzlick has. He will join us on this edition of the podcast. Matthew Stafford, the quarterback of the Detroit Lions, who has sat due to injury more games than he has actually started, the former number one overall pick of the NFL draft. He will join us on this podcast. The us being me and my first guest, I'm turning to you now, Chris Cooley, the Washington Redskins. Good to see you. Oh, it's great to be here. You're the man. 
I love having you on the program all the time because you, 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 I never know what's going to come out of your head. And you also shoot straight from the hip. And I appreciate that. It's like, it's like you have a 17-year-old kid every time that, uh, every time that when I come in. When you're on? When I come in. No, no, I'm, I'm, but this is also, I'm buttering you up. I'm buttering you up because I've got some tough questions about the Washington Redskins to ask you. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer them. It'll probably <laughs> Don't be sound so excited. <laughs> Don't sound so excited. I, I, see you, I see you five minutes ago and you say, can I ask you some football questions? Well, I, because, but you had a look in your eye. You knew you were going to ask well, me I mean, some tough questions. Because they are tough questions. They are tough questions. There's no question that they're tough questions. So I, I'd like to start with that, if I may. Absolutely. Because I, I, I got to be honest with you. I got to be honest with you. You tell me if I'm – because you're, you're always shoot from the hip. The two words that sort of best describe – in many people's minds, the Redskins right now, are hot and mess. Hot mess. Would you agree with that assessment or not? I can't disagree with what, what you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's basically because we haven't won football games. Right. Uh, I'm going on eight seasons there. Uh, made the playoffs twice. Right. Um, both, both years had to go on insane runs at the end of the year to make the playoffs. Right. Um, Ten years previous to that, right. we hadn't won. Uh, we've changed offenses. We've changed. Hopefully, we're working towards some sort of stability. Uh, you bring in a new general manager. You bring in a new coach. Coach. You try to change the culture of what you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, and it can't be a two-year program. Uh, it's got to be. It's got to be extended. It's got to be stability. Uh, so, at this at this point, it's much of, much less of a hot mess right. than it was last year at this very time. <laughs> So it, the, 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 the temperature of, of the mess is getting cooler, is what you're saying. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, find, out, we'll find out what that temperature is when, when we start the first couple games of the season and see where we're at because uh, you're building a team, mm-hmm. but are you getting the pieces that you want for this team in the time that you want to do, do you it? Think, do you think you, you well, I like I like the guys that we have. I think, I think when you're when you, a new coach mm-hmm. – uh, you, you can't just start with someone else's players, and you can't just go out and get whoever you want. It's, it's a tough league to, to acquire the guys you want. Mm-hmm. But we have the guys that kind of understand our program. Uh, and Mike's, Mike's pretty honest with the guys, um, pretty honest with our team in terms of saying, if you don't buy in, mm-hmm. I, I don't give a damn. You're gone. You won't be a part of this team. Right. And I think um, we made a big step forward in getting guys that will buy into what he wants to do. Well, that said, uh, clearly, uh, Shanahan needs his guys. He needs to get some of his guys. He can't just, you know, it, it was the, the Serrato-Zorn players that he's using in, in many ways. And the question is, though, is McNabb, he acquired McNabb. He's the one who pulled the trigger on that deal with Bruce Allen. He's the one who went and got McNabb. And it's clear that that didn't work out. It's 100% abundantly clear. At what point of last season did it dawn on everybody there that he wasn't the guy moving forward? Well, that's tough. I mean, that's tough to say, especially uh, with Five being a, a close friend of mine, right. to go back and say he didn't work out for us. He wasn't good enough for us. Because in every way, he's a, he's a good enough quarterback to start in this league. Uh, but halfway through the season, mm-hmm. we weren't – we weren't making the type of strides offensively that anyone thought we would be making. Um, and, and I'm not going to blame that on anybody. I'm not going to blame that on our quarterback. I'm not going to blame that on our coaching staff. Um, if, it wasn't a, if it wasn't the right fit, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, look at, if you look at Donovan's body of work in Philadelphia, 
when you bring him to Washington. And, and I said it, too. I said, that's a bonehead move for the Eagles to get rid of him and give him to us. Um, but it uh, obviously it didn't work for us. Right. And again, I don't, frustrating. Want, to, I don't want to put you in a, in a tough position at all. I, I honestly don't, Chris. That you know. No, I, and it's, it's hard because you have to be honest and say, this didn't work. Right. I mean, you're not lying when you say this didn't work for us and it's probably not going to continue in the future. So you're on that fine line of saying, this guy's my friend. I, I in no way, shape, or form don't want to say he's a, he's a good football player. Can you player clear up a couple things for me? And, again, if you don't want to touch it, you could just. Well, it's a podcast, so I can say whatever I you want. You could. Right? Well, I mean, within reason. Within <laughs> reason. Uh, did, did McNabb have trouble grasping the two-minute offense as what has been reported? Um, I, I can't say that he, he had trouble with it. Okay. Um, I, I, I think he was fine. I think he was very comfortable with it. Okay. Did he – was there w- – what's with the wristband in the plays and stuff like that? Is there, is there smoke in this To be, on, to be very this? honest with you, Please. Uh, when that news broke, yeah. that was the first that I'd heard about him not wanting to wear a wristband. Um, and to me, it seems that Mike's the type of guy that if he wants him to wear a wristband, mm-hmm. he's going to say, wear it. Well, he could have said so, that, but so McNabb, it, could so also be, been an, McNabb could also clearly say, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I've got all these conference championships, Pro Bowl seasons under my belt. I've, I've done this through Andy Reid. And uh, why do I need to go wristband like I'm a second, third year quarterback in this Well, I think even the topic of wristband is overrated because he has a microphone in his helmet. I mean, plays are called directly into his helmet. Right. So whether or not he reads them, Mm -hmm. he hears them two seconds before he says them. Okay. So it wasn't as fluid as as you want it to be. And in terms of learning an offense and learning a new language, it wasn't wasn't what he would be in the next season. Uh, But I really didn't understand why that was such a big deal with him wearing a wristband or not? Well, because to me, what it what it well, it's, sim- it's conflict. I well, understand. Yeah, that. that's it's conflict. It it also shows that 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 he didn't that he that that the coaching staff had concerns about his grasp of the offense, and 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 certainly as you said that the plays weren't being made on the field that that may have been the issue, and and if and if you know if if there wasn't a lockout, let's let's be honest, McNabb would be somewhere else right now, most likely. I'm not, I'm 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 not meaning to put words in your mouth. But he'd be somewhere else, and this would, this, you know, everyone would be able to move on. But we're sort of stuck here, still stuck in 2010. And I think the fact that he, you know, wristband or not, as you point out, it's a moot point. It could, you know, get the play in your ear. I think that's what that means. And everyone's trying to think, everyone's looking for a sign that maybe, because the Shanahan went for McNabb and it didn't work out there, the concern is you just take it to the nth level that maybe the Shanahan move in D.C. isn't the proper fit. That's what I think is behind this whole discussion about the McNabb-Shanahan stuff. Well, I think from being around uh, Mike mm-hmm. and being around Kyle, um, it is the right fit for us. I couldn't be more impressed with how they've handled this team. Um, obviously, the McNabb situation is tough. And I, if you step back and look at it in terms of your Mike Shanahan, you have to look at him and say, you're, you're a eight-time Pro Bowler. Mm-hmm. You, you are who you are. So how do I handle you? Um, I, don't, I don't know how I deal with that. Um, probably not handled um, exactly how everyone would have wanted it to. Mm-hmm. But, again, it's over. I mean, the, deal, the deal's over. Um, we've moved forward. Like you said, if we're not in a lockout, you and I probably would have talked about this in March. Yes. And we wouldn't be talking about well, it now. Well, let's say the lockout opens up. Everybody's wondering who's going to be your quarterback. Is John Beck, is 
could he be the guy? Would you would you would you uh, think that John Beck is ready for an NFC East gauntlet? <laughs> you know what well, it's, it's like tough. It's East. tough. Um, I like John Beck. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a good football player, but from what I've seen of John, obviously I haven't watched the the debacle that they had in Miami and any right. part of that film, but. John came in halfway through our last training camp, didn't have time to learn our offense, um, spent the time through the season learning it, mm-hmm. but never played, never even practiced. I mean, the guy went out and ran plays on cards. So as a player, you really don't see what he can do. Mm-hmm. You don't see, you don't even evaluate his talent in practice. Uh, so the quarterback situation's tough. Uh, from everything I've heard, Rex is, Rex is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Rex has been a part of our player workouts. He's been there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's counting on playing for this team. And I think as much as you like John or as much as you like Rex, it's a definite open competition between the two of them. And, and maybe you bring someone else in. I, I, I don't know. You probably don't have very much time. You maybe get a couple weeks in That's why hopefully, I think it's either, hopefully it's, July. Right, no kidding. You get a couple weeks. That's why I think it's, it's either one of these two guys, right? I mean, well, unless you pull, you pull the trigger for somebody else that clearly uh, is on another team right now. Uh, what about the last question, Clinton Portis, what, the stuff he's been saying? He's been saying a lot of stuff about the locker room not being together or guys not trying. What, what do you say about what Clinton Portis' comments have been over the past few weeks now that he's out the door with D.C.? It, it, it's easy to, to leave a team and say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were probably uh, – you can, you can make comments very general – but it can be about a specific guy mm-hmm. or two guys, and, and something like that can stick out in your mind. Um, and when you're losing, if there's a guy or two guys, the comment goes everywhere, and it's, and it's everyone, and it's hard to say what it is. Um, Clinton's going to say what he wants to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everyone knows that he's going to put it out there. He's, he, he always has something so, to say. So is it accurate or, or is it inaccurate in your estimation? Um, I would love it to be totally inaccurate, mm-hmm. but... Um, Hopefully, we're building towards the type of locker room that we need. There you go. See, that's what I love about you, man. You don't, you don't dodge any of these questions. You're, you're, you're your own man, Chris Cooley. <laughs> Seriously, I mean... I, I, well, I, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, clearly, there, there's been a problem. Clearly, there's been a couple problems that, that have been in the media. Right. So you can hope that that's all Clinton's talking about. Mm-hmm. You're now officially off the hot seat. You've, asked, you've answered all the questions. Now I get to ask you the fun stuff. What, what, are you, what, are, what have you been doing? I, I noticed you're in total access. You're bringing like a pottery wheel and clay in here, right? You got, you yeah, know. I brought it in. Um, I, I, have a, I have my own art gallery. Um, Where? I've, I've, in Leesburg, Virginia. Uh-huh. It's, it's the Cooley Gallery. Fitting, right? Uh-huh. Um, I was really creative. The Cooley Gallery. I was really creative. That does sound knife. like the wing of some sort of famous museum. Someday, Rich. The Cooley Gallery Someday. at the Museum of Modern Art, you know? Yeah. Someday. I'm moving up the ladder. You are moving up. But, but Quickly. Right, <laughs> with a bullet. Quickly. You're, moving, you're firing up the ladder and firing up the kiln at the same time. So you are, you are a potter. That's what we call them? Yeah, I have transformed my basement mm-hmm. into a fully functional pottery studio. How does the missus feel about that? She likes it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, she likes it. She likes to see the creative side come out. Mm-hmm. Um, built a kiln in my, in my backyard. It's a wood-burning kiln. Uh, the chimney goes 15 feet up through my deck behind mm-hmm. my house when the kiln's running. The, the, so I got, a flame shoots another 20 feet out of the top of the chimney. How, how pretty do the, cool deal. And how do the neighbors feel about that? Well, I don't have neighbors yet. Um, what do you mean? I, I, do you live like the Unabomber? Is that what you're telling me? Yes, in the middle I of am the, the close woods? to a hermit. 
um, in the woods. <laughs> no, I, I, I live in an area that a subdivision is actually being built around me. I'm not very pleased with that. Okay. Um, I didn't expect it. So you but don't I, want neighbors. I am grandfathered in okay. to whatever I want to do, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to be the biggest hillbilly of the subdivision. <laughs> we have a chicken coop. What? Yeah. You have a chicken coop? Yeah, my wife thought that chickens would be cool, so we have chickens and ducks. So the chicken um, coop is your wife's idea? Yeah, I want nothing to do with it. Okay. But so we do have a chicken coop. So you have a chicken coop. You've got... I have a, uh, I have a giant kiln. A giant kiln that shoots up smoke. And so your neighbors will, will either think that, uh, that you're, you're, you're cooking up all sorts of crazy-ass pots and pans or whatever you're doing, or a new pope has been selected, judging by the color of the smoke that's coming out of here. One or the other. One or the other. Depends uh, on, on the religion, I guess. I, I, yes, it does. So you've got that. What else do you have in your house that, that's of interest? You got a chicken coop? You got a kiln? Is that it? I feel like I, I'm I just scratching a, the I surface I think a lot here. of my house is, is pretty, pretty generic beyond okay. that. Okay. I have an elevator. Okay. But it's broken. Um, <laughs> Did you get stuck in it? <laughs> Close. Close. Wow. It, uh, it dropped. Okay. I guess there was an oil leakage, and well, um, I, I haven't replaced the hydraulic pump yet. Maybe, maybe your elevator had a, a bout of cardiovascular endurance yeah. issues. Well, See, I actually am not again. lazy enough that I need to fix ah, the elevator yet, so okay. I can walk back and walk up and down the stairs. So, uh, and again, I, I noticed, are you, what, what, what else are you doing? I saw on ESPN, you're, they're showing video, what, else, what are they showing video of you doing? Uh, I, I had a wrestling match with Fred Davis, which I didn't think was that out of the ordinary. Okay. Know. Sort of oh, like I a, a tight end depth chart wrestling match? I would wrestle any time. Yeah, I guess guys are doing a lot of different workouts right. uh, around the league and, and working out with trainers. And I guess Fred had been uh, wrestling. Like on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. the group guys he was working out with would wrestle. Mm-hmm. And so he said, well, I, I think I can beat you. Mm-hmm. And I told him that he was absolutely out of his mind, mm-hmm. which he was. And we wrestled. So you beat him? Yeah. You took him down? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so we did that. That was, a, that was a, the, player, the player activity. The the, play, that that we, you guys put together? Yeah, in the practice, we wrestled. It was actually on the field turf, and my knees got all burned up on the turf. So, so you didn't have, like, a police officer in front of your uh, workouts like the Carolina. Did you hear that Carolina Panthers put a police officer outside of their, no, our, their, our, their organized uh, workout to make sure that the media didn't see anything? We, had, we, we invited the media to come be a part of our workout. So you had a totally different yeah. point of view. Yeah, like come one, come all, and check us out. Yeah, we we Tuscarora High School, and we just said, why don't you just let out school and let's fill the state the right. stands? And that was fun. No, we didn't do that. Oh, you didn't, didn't do that. Let the kids come out. From okay, but I would have liked it. Right. Oh, I had a couple good days in those workouts too. Okay. Yeah, I caught a lot of passes. John John Beck was on the money. So, I, I, listen, we already hit John Beck. I don't want to keep hammering because people. But I'm just saying, people accuse me of hammering John Beck. I just again, you know, I just think. You know, you got Eli in New York, and you got Romo in Dallas, and you got, you know, uh, you got to start somewhere. Philly, I know. Uh, but, I mean, five years DC, ago, what would you I have mean, said about Tony Romo in Dallas? I understand, but there it I, is. I just think there's a window in DC. The window's smaller than usual because you know, you know how rabid your fan base is. People are, people are redskin crazy. I mean, if you go six and ten or four and twelve or something like that, it's not good for us. No. It's not good for anybody. No. It's People not good really for care about football there. So uh, now, uh, before, I, before I let you go, we were in the uh, makeup room. for Together. Yes. Well, you know what? I, I, do, need, I do need, there's not much uh, paint required on the canvas, if you know what I mean. 
Absolutely. Uh, but you were telling me you were going to prank call me last night, but didn't? I don't understand. What, what is that story? Well, I told you that I was uh, that I was 17, and that might have been an exaggeration because, for the most part, I'm about 14. Okay. Um, so you would like prank calling people? Yeah, I would have. I really wanted to prank call you, and then and then make it something that you'd be mad about, uh-huh. and then and then just bring it up mid mid podcast. Mid podcast. Surprise you? It's like live, but you just live. you just got distracted. You didn't. You didn't. Yeah. I what were you going to do? What were you going to prank me on? I was going to tell you that uh, I can't remember who I was going to be. I was going to be someone from Sports Center and tell you that you were the absolute horrible worst host of a show. Is a joke. No wonder you're like not, who though. No, I'm still friends with a lot of those guys. But, who would you, but who are you, you friends with all the new guys? All the new no. There you go. But do you I even know the names of the new guys? Google. Google would have been no, so told me. Wait a minute. Mike Google does Sports Center. Is it or that's oh I'm sorry. It's not the name of a Sports Center anchor. You're talking about actually. You'll, you you'll have, get your prank call. You would, you would have Googled. You'll get your prank call, and you won't you would know have it's Googled. Me. You would have Googled. So you would have you would have said, "Hey, I'm I'm a new sports center anchor." Yeah, um, yeah. I would have done my research. I mean, it's you it's would have come quick, up with one of the names of the guys. See, we did a, we did a fun one the other day. Um, see, now back in the day, you wouldn't have had to Google. I'm just talking about the day when I was on Sports Center. I know, and we wouldn't exchange numbers via Twitter. I would have had to actually see you to get your phone number. Yeah, all this stuff. Okay. Well, there's some fun calls to make. Like what? Uh, what prank call. Well, give me a good prank call. I have a couple. I have a couple that I've been doing. Um, I've been calling AJ Feely mm-hmm. for the last three years, <laughs> and I actually finally ran into AJ to talk to him about this, uh-huh. and it blew his mind that it was me. What, what, what um, are you even I doing call today? him and pretend like I'm calling Jay Feely. So the other day I <laughs> called him and I said, "Oh, hell of a job kicking out in Arizona this year. Yeah, um, you're a great player, man. I love watching you. Inspiration uh, as a kicker." So he had saved all these voicemails. And who, does he say, who is this, or he's Why laughing? are you doing this to me? I'm not Jay Feely. But so I called him. Uh, for three years this went on. Uh, also, um, Jay Feely, if you're listening to this, I yeah. do this to you, too. <laughs> you call him and tell yeah, as, him. As, as he's I, I, AJ turn, I turn around and call Jay Feely and, and tell him. He's, I don't know why it's funny. but It, it is, is funny. funny. It's hilarious. It's so fun to do. Do you block, your, do you block no, your number? No, I don't block my number. So they call you back and... Occasionally, but I usually just don't answer. Yeah, but you, you don't have an outgoing message? No. You don't say, hey, this is Chris. No. I'm, I'm, I'm firing you up a pot in my five, pottery. Seven, one, oh, is that what it four, is? Two, oh, you're five. one of those, huh? Um, don't give out your phone number. So here. we called, uh, th- those weren't real digits. Okay, good. Thank, thank goodness. So, yeah. So we called Carson Palmer. You called Carson Palmer? Because he's not and answering. I, and he's I tried not to do it. He is, to, to say he is radio silent right now is an understatement of radio and silence right now. Absolutely. So you well, he's called, going through a tough time. Of course, no, I'm not. I am not. I am not saying at all that he's wrong in radio silence. But so you call Carson? Yeah. What but say? I just got a voicemail. I just got to voicemail. Okay. So what? What? Did you, what? What, um, what voice? The what, whole what, sequence of calls that I made, I actually yeah. only got to voicemail in all these people. I hate call screeners. It's right. Call waiting. Right. But uh, I tried to do my best John Elway voice. Mm-hmm. So I Googled some. Google again there. Yeah, you know, okay. Some John Elway clips, and I, I, I'm not going to do it now just because I'm not. You're not a, you, um, you, you, you need to hear the voice before you imitate the voice? Mm, so, okay. There's also some voice lubrication that, that can go into play um, <laughs> that, we, that we're not privy to right now. Okay. So you called Carson Palmer. But I, but I told him I was John Elway, and I said, listen, <laughs> I hate Tim Tebow. I want you. Right. I want you out here in Denver. Uh-huh. I, know, I know that I shouldn't be calling you. We can't talk. You've got to keep it down. Keep it down, mm-hmm. but we're going to make this work. Right. So then I laughed for a minute, and then I turned around and I called John Elway back. I called John and I said, "The actual John Elway." Yeah. The actual number seven. Yeah, I have I have it in my phone. <laughs> you might want to change your number, John. Okay. So you. So uh, 
This is this is my childhood idol, by the way. Uh, I grew of course. Uh, it, I mean, for millions of people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Childhood idol. Yeah. And I said, uh, "Hey, it's Carson. I just got your message. Um, I hate Cincinnati. I don't want to be here. Uh, I'd love to. I'd love to come out to Denver." And, and I, I mean, accentuated these calls a little. I'm giving you yeah. a short version That's of it. That's fine. So I turned around and I called John Fox. Yeah. And left three messages and said, John, uh, got your number from a friend. I cannot get a hold of Elway. He left me a message <laughs> talking about coming out there. I know this isn't the right time, but right. if you got anything or you know anything, call me. And you called him. That so was called him as John Fox. Carson Palmer? Yeah, as Carson. I said, this okay. is Carson. Okay. And then to, to finish the sequence, I called Marvin Lewis. <laughs> These are real. I really no, made these calls, you did so not. You I, did? I wouldn't lie to you. Okay, I, mean, I know and you I never said, lie I to said, me. Listen, I said, listen, I'd prefer to be an, an unnamed uh, general manager, and mm-hmm. then someone in the background yelled, "Hey, Bruce!" <laughs> um, <laughs> and I said, "There's, there's just a lot of tampering going on between the Denver Broncos and your quarterback." So, then I actually went ahead and tweeted to Chad Ochocinco for yeah. my Twitter account yes. from at the Cooley Zone. I heard. Carson Palmer is going to Denver. Is there any truth to that? <laughs> Boy, you're stirring it up. Yeah, that was fun. Did right? Ocho respond to that? He didn't respond. I don't know why he didn't respond. But. So you didn't get any phone calls back from No, LA? I got a couple calls back. From, um, well, you, you don't have to say, but somebody, somebody in that chain of people called you back. Yeah, no message. Um, I, I, I don't know who called back. But somebody, but but you, you're stirring it up a little bit. I'm going to say that it was probably Carson Palmer that called me. Back. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't speak to anyone. Oh, man. But it was fun. It that, was a good time. Uh, it was all in good fun. That is And fun. Um, I left my number to, uh, to all the calls. Right. So, I mean, they can feel free to call me when the lockout's over and tell me I'm a dick. <laughs> <laughs> or not. They don't even have to wait till it's over. Oh, well, yeah, I, mean, I, I, th- I think they, that, yeah, I think they, they do. Some of them do. do. Not Carson. Carson does not. No, Carson. Carson could call you at any time and drop the D word on you like that. Uh, you're the best. Do I get bleeped for that? You will, we, that, 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 that did just get bleeped out. Don't worry. But it's okay. That's why we have Chris Law on our, on our podcast team. He's the official bleeper of this podcast. Uh, anything else that I need to know? No, I've, I've really enjoyed myself. Um, you didn't really sound I can't, like I can't that. thank no, you. That didn't, sound, that didn't sound right. Did you really, did you really enjoy yeah, yourself? Yeah, it was, it, was t- it was tough at first. Um, but I had to ask you those questions. I feel like I did an average job. So as an interviewer, you, you could tell me that that was probably pretty average. That was not pretty average because you answered the questions. And you didn't do the one-day-at-a-time stuff. You didn't do the cliches. Well, you know, we're just trying to get better. We're just doing it one game at a time. You know, you didn't do that. You answered the questions. I really And, felt, and, and I really... Also, also, some of the hesitant, if, if we're really reviewing your interview from just moments ago, uh, some of your, your hesitancies, some of your... You were pondering the answer some, uh, in a way that, to me, is an answer in itself. You didn't just flat out deny some of this stuff, which, again, that's why, that's why you're a great, you're a great uh, interviewer. E. Well, thank you. My wife tells me I'm too effusive with my guests. It's hard to interview people. I think so. I think it's a major challenge. It's thank much you. easier to, to, are, are you, to be are you, are you are, Was this a compliment in my direction? Oh, you're very good. Thank you. Maybe the best. Am I better than, am I better, am I better than, than most? I mean, like, where do you rank me? Top 100. I think way better than most. Thank you. But see, it's easy because we, you know me. So I do I know you. Yeah. I've known you for a long but, time. But you're good with We're going to wrap this up. Don't worry. Everybody's staring at me. We're going to wrap this up. Thanks, Bob. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, but do you remember the first time we did meet? Do you remember that? Was that at the, uh, the symposium? Rookie symposium. Yeah, there you go. My second 
you you're, you're, your second year because yeah. you came back as 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 the second year person and you know handing out wisdom to all the youngsters. Yeah, you were you you were, and I put it on my book as well. A lot I, of your I answers. made your book. You made my book. And I feel good about that. You did. So I remember that. That was what was that? That would be two thousand five. You will definitely make my book. What, what is your? What is your? I don't. I don't have a you, book. Be great. Chris Cooley, thank you. Thanks Good to have me. you on. Chris Cooley here on the podcast. Uh, and you can prank me anytime. I will not fall for it. You will. Really? Yeah, I'll get is you. Is this a challenge? Yes, absolutely. Well, I'll know. I'll know the phone number he call back. I'll, I'll mean, make it so it doesn't seem like a prank. I'll make it seem real. You, you really that, think you, it's you're real? You're not that good. I'm that good. You're not that good. I throw it on the gauntlet. It's prank not going to Prank me anytime you, cho- you choose. It's not going to work. <laughs> Chris Cooley on the Rich Johnson podcast. And now we make the unique transition from crank calls to the courtroom. I don't know if this is going to be brought up at all in the Eighth Circuit courtroom. It'd be great. Uh, well, Judge Chris Cooley is calling Marvin Lewis as Carson Palmer. That would be great if it works its way into the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals hearing that's going down on Friday. But as we all know, as we said at the top of the show, players and owners meeting in Chicago. Nobody knew about it. We found out about it last minute. And Judge Boylan was there as well. So let's start sinking our teeth into it. And let's get started right now with Gabe Feldman, our NFL Network legal analyst, also the uh, man in charge of the sports law program at Tulane University. Welcome back to the podcast, Gabe. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, you, you bet. Now, I, I, again, I'm loath to start uh, talking legalese. I'm not going to do it. I just won't do it with you on this podcast, okay? So we're going to sweep, sweep the legalese away. Norris LaGuardia Act, throw that all away. Can you do that for me, please? I'll do my best. It's Thank tough you. to do, but I will try. Yes, I know, because, again, I want people to continue to listen to this podcast. So let's start giving some people some news they can use. Uh, normally, I wouldn't ask you about the negotiations between the players and the owners that, that apparently took place in Chicago out of the blue, certainly to all those in, in the media. And there were some reports as well that some NFL owners didn't even know that owners and players were meeting in Chicago. Uh, and then on, on Thursday, it's also reported Judge Arthur Boylan, who's in charge of the mediation between the two sides. The court ordered mediation in Minnesota. He was there. What is he doing outside of Chambers a week before he's supposed to see them in Chambers? What's that all about? Well, this is clearly a step in the right direction. Um, We have, as you mentioned, a court-ordered mediation scheduled to take place on June 7th, and the owners and the players decided to get a jump start on that and invited Judge Boylan in, which, which, as you mentioned, is a bit of a surprise that he left Chambers to do it. Yeah. But... We know that Judge Boylan has given the side some homework to do after each mediation session. And presumably, some of the direction he gave was to continue talking, that they didn't have to wait until June 7th to start talking again. And so it's not clear if the owners contacted the players, players contacted the owners, Judge Boylan contacted both. But the fact that they are sitting down and talking and the lawyers are out of the room, we don't have Paul Clement and Ted Olson in there. They are brilliant lawyers, but they're not going to negotiate a new CBA. So that, that's a big step in the, in the right direction, and it may make June 7th more productive. We obviously have the big June 3rd hearing hanging over our heads. Right. But they're not going to negotiate a CBA at the June 3rd hearing. But there is something called a teleconference, right? Little Cisco systems. You sit in front of a camera, and you, you look at each other. Um, everybody flew to Chicago. You know, and the judge, the judge came out of out of Minnesota. I know he's based in Chicago. Maybe he was there, you know, visiting family or something, but I doubt it. I mean, they were all physically in the same room discussing something. So you have to again, I don't want to keep on getting my hopes up here, but that's got to be something right that they were physically 
is that unusual? How about that? Let's start with that in terms of mediation. Is that unusual that they would they would meet in face to face outside of chambers like that? Not necessarily. I mean, you want to make it convenient for the parties, and you may be right. Who knows what Judge Boylan was doing in Chicago? He may have had some previous engagement. It's not maybe just like going to Chicago. It's one an excuse. But the fact that they were willing to meet face-to-face is certainly a good sign. I think most mediators would say that teleconference or conference calls aren't particularly effective mm-hmm. mediation tools. And if you are going to try to mediate, you have to do it in person. And so I don't know that it's a surprise they met in person. It's a little bit of a surprise that they met a week before the scheduled mediation in Minnesota. But, again, that's an incredibly positive sign, and we don't want to be overly optimistic. We've been talking about positive signs for the last three months and it hasn't led to anything. But we know at some point, whether it's July, August, September, next year, the parties are going to sit down and negotiate a new CBA. And the thought may be, let's make it now. Right. So if we push it back two or three more months, we risk missing some regular season games. The world isn't going to change that much between now and October. We'll have a legal decision out there, but again, that only impacts some of the leverage points. It's not going to impact what the CBA looks like at the end of the day. So, But there's still this, this you know, June 3rd court date going down. What happened in Chicago? Not changing that. Um, and then some people will be downloading this podcast. It'll already have happened. And the question is, w- what happens then? The, the, thir- the Eighth Circuit hears this case. Again, I don't want, I don't want to get into what Ted Olson and Paul Clement are going to say to these three judges. But uh, what, what happens after the three judges hear from both sides? What happens then? Well, then we wait. We're back in the waiting game, and the question is, when will the decision come down? And that's really, I think, what's most important for the fans. They don't really care who's right on the legal issues. No question. We just want a decision done because once we're out of litigation, we can move to negotiation. Is that true, though? Let's, let's, let's stop you right there. Is that really true? Is that really true that once this litigation is in terms of the Eighth Circuit decided, negotiations going to happen? Is that true, or will one side be so ticked off at the other based on the decision that uh, there could still be an issue moving forward? Well, there still could be an issue, but at least the focus will have shifted. Right now, the focus is solely on Norris LaGuardia and, and the legal battle. I don't want to hear the words <laughs> Norris or LaGuardia for you, even if you're talking about an airport, Gabe. You know what I mean? Well, I, I said I wouldn't talk about Okay. So I can, I can mention it in the fact that I'm not going to talk about Norris LaGuardia. Okay. All right. Uh, th- th- this one time, I'll, I'll, I'll excuse it. It's tough. I can't go cold turkey. I can't <laughs> go from 20 times a day to zero. Okay. But I, but I do think that the focus will shift once the appeals process is played out. Right. And then there's nothing left to talk about except the new CBA. I mean, they are fighting, obviously, not over only money, but how these battles are going to play out in the future. And the owners want a world where they can lock the players out, and the players want a world where they can bring an antitrust claim. And that's part of the battle, and that's part of what may get worked out in a new CBA. I mean, there, there's some language to that effect in the old CBA about disclaiming oh, and all so that You're telling me stuff. it's now more about money? It's, you know, I mean, because that, this, now, the, now my head is officially going to explode. Well, I think that'll have to be part of it. I think that'll have to be part of it. And whether or not there'll be federal judicial supervision, I don't think that will drive the negotiation, but I think that will be certainly a point of discussion in the negotiation. So, so the Eighth Circuit uh, deliberates how long, do you think? Anywhere, I think, from two to six weeks. I think that's the realistic window. Wow. So so you're you're saying we could be mid-July still waiting to hear from the Eighth Circuit. Because don't they, I mean, again, I I know they've got other things going on in their lives, but this is is monumental. I mean, you know, this affects, forget about 
I mean, this is monumental, Gabe. I mean, can't can't they can't they focus? <laughs> you, know? you know what I'm saying? I mean, and, and in that respect too, where's the NLRB? Where are they right now? What are they doing? I think they're sitting back and watching. Why? I don't think they're going to play a role in this uh, unless the Eighth Circuit tells them they want them to play a role. Uh, I think they recognize that they have a limited jurisdiction, and again, I'm not going to mention the NLGA word, <laughs> but I, I, I think they recognize right. that this is a judicial issue to be decided by the courts. I think by not acting, they've made a decision in some sense. Is that so? Okay, so let's say mid-July, good Lord. Mid-July is at that point, at that, and, and But the Chicago meetings shows that maybe, because they're going to have to wait, right? I mean, they're going to have to. They're not going to strike a deal before the Eighth Circuit works. Like, they could be working out frameworks of things that have nothing to do with the leverage points, deals that is, things, things that have to deal with uh, uh, smaller issues, right? Or, or side oh, yeah. ancillary issues that have nothing to do with money and antitrust versus uh, labor disputes and things of that nature that both sides could be able to file against themselves in future, heaven forbid, CBA disputes. Uh, but mid-July, that, that's the whole thing. Because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking free agency's got to happen. Then pre, you know, they got to have some training camp, maybe a preseason game or two. I, I want the, the, the season's got to start on time. Because again, my mind's all over the map. They, they cannot seed the 9/11 stage to an empty, an empty field. They just, this just can't happen. I, for this I, sport. I, I agree with you. I, I think mid-July is, is the far end. Okay. I think it could be as early as. Two or three weeks from now. Okay, I so think then, we could get it done in June. Okay. And part of it, again, will depend on the scope of the ruling. Because you remember, the Eighth Circuit has already ruled on the stay. Right. And the stay raises the same issues as the injunction. And that means two things. One is the writing is already on the wall, in a sense, because we know that two of the judges right. think that the lockout should stay in place. So one's got to be flipped. Right. One's got to be flipped, and it's hard to believe, it's certainly possible, but it's going to be very difficult for the players' lawyers to change one of those judges' minds because this is a purely legal issue. And there's nothing that has happened between the time they issued the stay and now that mm-hmm. will have changed the judge's mind. So it's going to be up to Ted Olson to do that, the player's lawyer. Assuming they don't change the judge's mind, we're essentially going to get the same ruling. Same ruling saying that the right. NFL owners have the power to lock the players out, that shouldn't take them four to six weeks. That can take two to three weeks. And on top of that, Mm -hmm. based on the questions they ask in the hearing and where the focus is, the players and the owners may be able to anticipate what the ruling will be. So they may not actually have to wait until the the final decision comes down. Last thing, Gabe, because I'm sure you could, you you know, we've spoken several times in this uh, podcast, also on NFL Total Access. And I think you can hear the desperation of my voice. Can't you, Gabe? You can hear the desperation of my voice. You sound like my students. Yes, I, oh, I hear okay. Does, does, okay. Okay. Does, does that mean I have homework after this? Or <laughs> a, blue, a, 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 blue, a blue paper or something like that? Blue book, I blue think. Blue book, yeah. Okay. It's been so long since I've been. I'm, I'm an old man. But okay. So you can hear the desperation of my voice, right, Gabe? I can. I figuratively need to be held. <laughs> Not ask, saying that you're the person to do it. Uh, so... This last issue. Uh, here's my major concern. This is my major concern. Eighth Circuit decides, and the lawyers still rule the day on, on both sides, where, where the lawyers say, listen, okay, you can strike this deal now, but wait. Let's wait. Let's wait a few more weeks. Let's really put the, the owners say, let's, put the, let's really put the players on the griddle and, 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 and let them stare 
a few weeks without a paycheck right in the face. And the players say, you know what, let's really put the owners on the griddle because they intended us to lock us out all along. I mean, you heard Drew Brees. A lot of players are still really ticked off, okay? Certainly saying their public statement. The players will say, you know, let's really put the owners on the griddle because if they really do blow off the season or part of the season, certainly the first week on the 10th anniversary of 9-11, the first 9-11 with Osama bin Laden uh, dead, the, the significance in this country of that day that if the league does not play football on that day because they can't decide on how to break up a $9 billion pie, there will be a large cross-section of fans that will never return, I believe. That's my concern, that this will be the, the mindsets on both sides, and we've got ourselves a big problem. Tell me, tell uh, me I, that. Tell I, need me that. Held, I need to be held now. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we have. That's where. It's, so my question for you is: What are the legal avenues that will be pressed in those situations, and how realistic is it of those of those legal issues being pressed to to bring this awful scenario about? The the good news is, once we get a decision on this June third hearing, there aren't really many realistic avenues left. I mean, we still have the Judge Doty television lockout insurance case hanging out there. Um, that's on a separate track. But once this June third hearing is over, we get a decision. The loser can appeal to the entire Eighth Circuit. Uh, that's a long shot. And then after that, the even longer shot is to appeal to the Supreme Court. But if they appeal to the larger Eighth Circuit, that, that's definitely into the playing season, right? There's no question that the date, a date set for that happens late August, early September, and that's no question, right? Well, it would be on an expedited basis, and I think the most likely result is that the full Eighth Circuit denies it, and I think they might deny it fairly quickly. Okay. Uh, that, 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 these types of cases, when you go up on appeal, the loser of almost every appeal tries to appeal to the full Eighth Circuit or the full circuit, and... 99 times out of 100, um, that gets denied without even hearing the case. They just they agree not to hear the case at all. Right. So, so it's not a particularly realistic option. I think once we get that decision, the loser recognizes their options are almost done. Um, and it's very difficult to rely on the Eighth Circuit to come in, swoop in, and change the result, and even more unrealistic to rely on the Supreme Court to do it. Right. And, and so I, I do think once we get... A decision here, the movement will start. And the good news is it looks like some movement has already begun in the negotiations. That's true. The, the okay. non-secret, secret negotiations. You're, you're leaving me on an up note, Gabe. That's why I love having you on. I, I do my best. I appreciate that. Before I let you go, do you see George Cohen in the NBA situation? Do you see that George Cohen may, have to, may play a role with that mess that's on yes, the horizon? Yes, and I fear he'll have as much success there as he did oh. with the NFL. But. but at least Albert Breer won't have to be out there every single day. <laughs> that's the bright side. Thanks, Gabe. We appreciate it. Thanks, Rich. And speaking of Albert Breer, he now joins us on the phone line from St. Louis, the site of the all-important Eighth Circuit appeals decision that's coming down the pike. Albert, thanks for joining the program. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Rich. I'd heard you had a podcast. Ah, you did, did you now? I did. Yeah, word gets around. Word gets around, certainly when I'm out doing my self-promotional self. <laughs> uh, let's get into this, man. What, 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 where did this thing in Chicago come from where both sides meeting with Arthur Boylan, of all people, in the well, room. Well, you know, Rich, I think a couple of things are significant here. First, um, you know, I was told earlier today that Arthur Boylan's um, role here in Chicago is significantly different than what it was in Minneapolis. And in Minneapolis, he was really running the show. Um, I think he's more of kind of an interested party 
in these discussions here. The other thing that's significant is the lack of lawyers in the room. You don't have Bob Batterman in the room. You don't have Jeffrey Kessler in the room. Um, you know, so I, I think where some of these mediation sessions in the past have been kind of portioned off into blocks where you might have, you know, this group go over here for a while and this group go over there for a while and so methodical and it kind of takes a while. Um, you know, my impression is that this was more face-to-face players and owners, um, you know, and, and I think that the, the, the term settlement discussions is relevant here as well. I mean, when you take it from mediation to settlement discussions, you're talking about settling the antitrust case. And, uh, you know, if you go all the way back to 1993, the last time we really had landmark changes in the collective bargaining agreement, that actually came out of a settlement of a court case. Yeah. Um, so the, you know, the CBA, the terms of the CBA were inside that settlement. Um, you know, so I think there are a couple things that are pretty significant here, and everything's positive. Um, you know, I, I, things are still, I don't think things are uh, you know, solved, but 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 anytime that they're talking, and, and the fact that they're talking, particularly in this setting, is good news. Yeah, there's no question. But Arthur Boylan, just uh, let's start with that one first. Just an interested observer, as opposed to you know, I know that we're not in his chambers, yeah. you know, and I know that we're 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 somewhere else. But how is he just in a? I, I don't understand. I, I might have put that a little. <laughs> I don't know if I put that too lightly. His okay. role, but 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 I think it's different. I, I don't think he is. You know, I don't think he's quite, you know, the running the show the way he was in, in Minneapolis. I, I think a big part of his presence now is to continue to afford both sides the protection. Remember, um, part of the problem they each talked about in Judge Nelson's court leading into it and everything else was that, um, you know, each side had kind of there there'd been a line drawn between the sides. The owners wanted to enter into collective bargaining talks. Right. The problem with collective bargaining talks is that, the, the union you know, the, says they the union says they decertified. Yeah, right. yeah, I know so that, this, so that's but that's so activity. but that's but that's that's so April. That's yeah. so April. <laughs> you know, but I know that I know that it's still a consideration. Yeah. But uh, you know, just as we move forward here though, the yeah. player that's the whole thing is that the players and the owners face to face, no lawyers in the room, but then mediation gets canceled the following week. Right. So and you I know, think part of that's the confidentiality of it. Maybe they don't want people like me hanging out outside the door. Right. <laughs> but it, it also means that, okay, we're going to still see what happens in St. Louis where you are and, and yeah. move forward from there. But nobody's saying anything. They come out of nowhere in a way, at least to us, to start meeting with one another. What are you hearing in terms of, of, of wanting to make a deal? I mean, what are you hearing in terms of the willingness and and how people might find it palatable to make a deal? What are you hearing on that front, Albert? Well, up until uh, the news of this came yesterday, and, and you know the the you know, Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune came with it first yesterday. Um, up until then, I think everybody was resigned to the fact that until late June or early July, um, everybody was going to be waiting on this ruling, and that a couple of leverage points, the one from that ruling, and then also. Another one coming from Judge Doty on the network's rights fees, um, you know, those were going to define the landscape. And I think what this does is this kind of puts them ahead of the game a little bit. And at least now they've done some preparation. I, I think without the ruling, um, it's going to be hard for either side to move too far. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, I do think that it's good that they're talking prior to the ruling. I think it sets things up a little bit. You know, a lot of people look at that mediation back in D.C. now as having been worthless, but... 
you know, my impression was they hammered out a lot of the little stuff. And, and, and this isn't something that you just do in one fell swoop. I think it's something that you chip away at. And I think D.C. was part of that, and I think the earlier mediation sessions were part of that. And, um, you know, I think what you do is you kind of work to the point where when you really get serious and you have those talks about the really big issues, um, you know, there are less stumbling blocks in the way. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way I view it right now is that every day they're talking, they're probably clearing some more stumbling blocks to getting a deal done. Now, I, I don't think that they're closer on the big issues quite yet, but I think they're setting the stage that when they get there, they'll be ready for it. Hmm. Okay. So, hmm. Then let me ask you this last one, what I just mentioned to Gabe Feldman, mm-hmm. that my concern is that when uh, the Eighth Circuit is is done adjudicating the matter with the three-panel judge, that both sides are going to dig in even further and really try and spike the football on each other, and the lawyers will, will eventually get back in the room. And 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 then we're really going to be playing with with regular season fire at that point in time. What, what, what do you think that? What do you think the possibility of that happening is? Well, my feeling is is that that's what's putting the pressure on, and I think that this meeting the last three days in Chicago is recognition of where we are on the calendar. Um, you know, I think all along that everybody expected um, that we were going to have some very, very critical negotiations in the month of July coming off of that ruling, and that um, you know there was going to be a very important time coming up coming off of this ruling. Mm-hmm. Um, the Eighth Circuit can really help things along here tomorrow, though. Um, you know, if you were in Judge Nelson's courtroom on April 6th, I think it was obvious to everybody which way that ruling was going. Mm-hmm. And my interpretation of it was that Judge Nelson was actually trying to help the process and telegraph her decision and tell the sides, this is, this is where I'm going with this. And I think the Eighth Circuit can do the same thing tomorrow. The Eighth Circuit can be a, per, a productive member or a productive uh, you know, participant in this process if they telegraph their decision tomorrow. And I think most people are expecting um, that they will rule you know, to overturn the injunction um, from Judge Nelson, which will give the owners leverage and then likely leave the other issues, which the owners are moving to have the antitrust case dismissed altogether, Chances are they'll leave those alone, and that gives the players some leverage that maintains their antitrust case. If the Eighth Circuit can kind of give some kind of indication to the sides tomorrow mm-hmm. on which way they're going, I think it really could set the stage for more serious talks. So at least then they can work in advance of the ruling, and then once the ruling comes, like I said, be more ready to go. Albert, thanks for the time, brother. All right. Thanks so much, Rich. That's Albert Breer joining the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. All right, let's cleanse our palate of this whole labor mess and talk about the story of Mark Hertzlick. Uh, For those who may not know, Mark was the 2008 ACC Defensive Player of the Year at Boston College. He was a surefire first-round pick in the NFL draft if he chose to come out after that 2008 year. He decided to stay put in Boston College. He decided to stay in school, which in many ways is an admirable decision. And unfortunately, Mark was... uh, then diagnosed with cancer, with Ewing sarcoma, May 14th of 2009. So instead of entering the draft in April of 2009 and being chosen what many people thought maybe top 10, he stayed in school a month later. He's diagnosed with a rare form of bone cancer. And um, his playing career has not been the same since. He was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma on May 14th, 2009, September 29th, he announced he was cancer-free, but uh, the bone cancer in his leg mandated that he have a metal rod placed in his leg. 
And now he had to rehab and come back from that, which he was finally able to do in the 2010 season for Boston College. An inspirational story. Cancer free, beat cancer, beat the odds to get back on the field, even with this metal rod in his leg, and decided to go for it. Why not? Stay on that NFL career path. He was at the Combine, and a lot of people thought maybe he might get drafted in the back end of this year's draft. He was not. So now he's a free agent waiting for the lockout to end while moving forward with his life, moving forward with his dream of making the NFL and not looking back and inspiring others along the way. And I could not be more pleased. We've never met, and I'm looking forward to meeting him right now. Couldn't be more pleased to have on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate no, it. You bet, man. You bet. Because uh, like I said, everyone was talking about you for the draft. Everybody's been talking about you uh, for the past several years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just really wanted to get to know you, basically, yeah. because your story is, uh, is is one that a lot of people are, are talking about. First things first, uh, you've been cancer-free since September 29th, correct? Yes, I have, since September 29th of 2009. So I'm going on, going on two years now. That's fantastic. And, and how yeah. are you, what, are you, what are you doing right now? Right now I'm down at IMG Academies in Bradenton, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am doing a lot, lots of hard training. We're, we're in, the, uh, in the weight room from uh, basically 7 a.m. till about 7 p.m. doing uh, movement stuff outside. And then after that we'll come in and do a lift. And then we go out in the field and work with uh, position coaches and do drills in the afternoon. Right. And uh, where do you think you are in terms of your abilities on the field, certainly in comparison to the 2008 season when you were the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I feel it, – it, it, to be honest, it's tough to gauge without pads. But when I'm out there doing drills and, and doing movements and strength stuff, I mean, uh, you know, I feel like I'm – you know, not only ahead of the pack down here, but really conditioning-wise and strength-wise ahead of where uh, I was even in 2008. I mean, my work ethic was never uh, even as good as it is now um, back then. And, um, you know, I'm feeling I'm feeling great, and I'm just ready to roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like for you draft weekend? It was, uh, it was interesting. Um, obviously not the, the expected, you know, outcome. Um it, it, although it was fun, I, I got invited to New York, so I was able to enjoy. Yeah, you were there the uh, first night of Radio City right, Musical. I was, yep, I was there the first night. Uh, was able to enjoy all the events that went along with the draft, and so uh, went and rang the the closing bell at the stock exchange and uh, hung out with a bunch of the guys and got to go out to dinner in New York and was at the uh, was at the opening night and then you know after the first couple of picks I left to go have dinner because obviously I knew I wasn't going to be called that night um and then uh traveled to providence rhode island the next day uh to be with my brother uh who is a who just graduated his freshman year there he plays football and they had their spring game Mm -hmm. so basically uh my saturday was waiting for the call uh, at his spring game and uh then the spring game ended and i still hadn't gotten called and then the dinner afterwards ended and still hadn't gotten called and so you know it was it was obviously a long rough day um, but you know, I've, I've had worse and that's where I needed to, you know, pick myself up again and, and just move on and, and keep on, 
uh, fighting to to get to the team. Right. I mean, did it? I'd love to just try and uh, peer into your emotions. Yeah. Because uh, clearly, because clearly, you 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 know, you thought that your first night of uh, of an NFL draft would go entirely differently based upon what you were doing <laughs> on the field in two thousand. Yeah. Eight, and now here you are in a completely different situation, but you're a totally different person. And uh, I'd love to just peer into your emotions. Uh, were you pissed? Were you were you uh, inspired even more? What 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 can you pinpoint it on? There there was a lot. It's tough to pinpoint because there were a lot. Um, I think uh, you know I was with uh, I was with my family, and, and you know they they all wanted the best for me, and so. You know, there was there was some anger in the fact that uh, I knew the only reason that uh, you know really didn't get picked up was really because uh, you know I had gotten sick and there was worries about that and uh, you know I, I never really looked back on, on my illness and, and thought you know this is uh, you know devastating to my life this is something that's going to keep me down forever because even when I was going through it my my goal was always to come play football again to be healthy. Uh, and then, you know, it turned towards inspiring people. And, um, you know, if nothing else, that day uh, just reminded me uh, of why I do everything. It's not uh, it's not for a paycheck. It's not for uh, the glory. It's not for anything like that. It's all, you know, about my passion. And the passion doesn't die whether, you're, whether my name gets called or not. Uh, and so um, I, I knew I had to go the next day and continue working out and give myself the best shot. I can for when free agency does happen and I can sign with a team and I do get to a camp. And then, you know, four years down the road when uh, the second contract comes around, you know, I'll, I know I'll be in the same place as I was uh, if I got picked first in the first round. Where are you uh, in terms of, because uh, I know people can't contact you. I mean, that because that, right. now you're in this limbo period that must be driving you crazy as well. Because uh, you're a free, uh, you're a free agent, which means you're waiting just like everybody else to find out your future, right yeah, now. Yeah. So uh, you know, I think uh, in terms of what I'm doing in order to prepare for the season is exactly the same as anyone else. Uh, but also, I don't know where that will be at. So. Well, were, were there teams in, throughout the evaluation process that that seemed that you thought would be a good fit that seemed interested in you? Oh yeah, you think... there, there were there were plenty of teams that were interested, and and I thought you know we're going to be good fit, and you know when they would come on the uh, on the board, you know, kind of held the breath a little bit, but um, you know, I think that uh, to look into speculate on all that right now and where I'm going to end up is kind of futile because you know I. No one knows, and so uh, we, you know, I sat down with my agent and gathered a list of teams uh, that you know we thought had interest at, at one point at least uh, that have needs at linebacker uh, and that would be good fits. And so basically, that's all we can do from right now. Uh, we can compile a list of teams that we think might work, uh, and then have to wait until the lockout is over uh, to really see if they're interested. And that's. You know, that's kind of where we are uh, in terms of being frustrated about it. Uh, I can only control what I can control. Yeah, and, I know. It, and, and it's tough to get frustrated about something that you can't control. I know. It's, it seems to be a theme about things of, you know, focusing on oh, yeah. things that you can control, Mark. You know, yeah, it, it is. It's been, it's been a mental challenge. Mental toughness is definitely 
something I thrive in and have been forced to over the past couple of years. Well, you said in terms of inspiring people, what what do you what what wisdom would you pass along to people well, right uh, now? There is, uh, you know, the the wisdom I have is only I've gained through other people and through my experience. But really, uh, there there are so many things that uh, in life, no matter whether it's football or whether you know it's an illness or or anything else going on that. Uh, seem to just drag you down. And it seems like you get in ruts over a certain period of time where you just take one hit after another. Uh, and then there's certain times in your life where everything just goes perfectly. And so um, one thing my football coach, Bill McGovern, uh, told me at, at Boston College was, you know, after every win, never get too high. And after every loss, never get too low. Uh, and that really carries over into life where, you know, if things are going great, be appreciative and, and give back. If things aren't going as well, then you need to be that much tougher. you, you got to keep that smile on your face. Who's reached out to you, uh, inspired by your story, that you've, you, were, you were blown away by, that's reached out and, and spoken to you, Mark? Well, there, there have been, uh, uh, you know, I've gotten you know, letters from, uh, and calls from a bunch of different uh, you know, celebrities who... Name drop, really cool name drop, Mark. Name, tra- well, name drop, uh, come on. You know, Lance, Ar- Lance Armstrong contacted me early, mm-hmm. um, you know, I talked to uh, some of the Celtics players and, um, uh, you know, John Lester, who, who had battled cancer in sure. the Red Sox. Boston area. Yep. And so, you know, those guys are awesome. And, and to be able to talk to, you know, a person like John Lester or Butch Davis, um, you know, coach of uh, the Tar Heels, you know, he battled cancer and get hear inspiration from them saying, you know, we're doing great. Uh, that's, that's inspiring to me, but also the people uh, you know, young kids, three, four-year-olds whose hmm. parents call me, uh, nine-year-olds who I, you know, pick up the phone and get to talk to, uh, who they're battling it right now. Um, what do you tell a nine-year-old, Mark? I mean, my goodness gracious, the the responsibility that is placed in your hands at that moment in time. It must be it must be incredible. It is. Well, they it, it, they inspire me even more than I can really do for them because you, know, you talk to a young kid and. You know, they don't understand what, what really what is happening. You know, they they know they feel bad when they go through chemotherapy, or you know, you know they they feel like weird because they have a bald head, but they have a smile on their face, and that's that's the thing that I tell them is you know keep doing all the fun stuff you like to do. Uh, you know, if you want to have ice cream after chemotherapy, go have ice cream. If you want to go uh, shoot the basketball, go do that. If you want to go, you know, watch your favorite movie, do that. But the most important thing for them to remember is to be staying happy. And that's one thing that I, you know, it was tough. It's tough, but I learned to do during my treatment process. And, you know, there's a power of positive thinking, and that's uh, something that I try to relate to them and, uh, you know, in a way that they can understand. And in that respect, I think I saw a quote that you said you're going to be the Cam Newton of free agency <laughs> when, when, when the league is open for business again. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I figure they've already picked about like 256 guys, yeah. so my chances are, are a little better now. So you'll be the 257th pick is what you're saying <laughs> of the yeah, NFL well, draft. That, that would be hopeful. And, and you know, uh, if uh, I can have as good an attitude and personality as Cam does, too. He trains down here with me at IMG. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's always smiling, and that's always inspiring people, too. Yeah, I mean, because... Uh, Listen, I'll say it. If an NFL team doesn't give you a shot, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> seriously, because uh, uh, 
I, I just just hearing you talk and hearing your story and the motivation that you've got and the fire that 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 burns within. Um, it's something that a lot of players who are, who've been drafted in this league in the past few years don't don't grasp, Mark. And um, and and I, I'm 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 sure that's the sort of thing that you you're telling teams that uh, did contact you during the evaluation process and one that. Uh, I'm sure you've got your speech ready um, once the league opens up for business again. Right. And the biggest thing that, you know, I, I need to relay to them, uh, and I've been trying to, is that, you know, the story's great and, you know, it's it's inspirational and all that stuff, but, you know, they're going to get a football player too. I mean, it's not not like I'm going to, you know, go give public speeches in your city and that's going to be all I contribute. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be on the field. I'm going to work as hard as anyone on your team. Uh, and you know you're going to get a steal, and that's the biggest thing. I'm going to be able to play uh, my best football ever um, for your team. So uh, you're chilling out in Florida, uh, for the lack of a better phrase, and you're 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 working at the IMG camp, right? And then yeah, uh, yeah. So that's ba- and and what else? What else are you up to? Uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah, well, there's not much else. Training lasts for a large part of the day and then uh when training's over i usually just go to bed and start it all over again the next day um i will uh uh, be having a charity golf tournament um july 6th uh up uh in plymouth massachusetts how can Um, people get involved in that uh you can go to um upliftingathletes.org um it's a a uh, a charity organization basically run by um, football players college football players across the country where they pick a rare disease, uh, and our Boston College, we chose Ewing sarcoma when I got sick, mm-hmm. and have been raising money ever since through different events such as, uh, you know, a weightlifting competition at, at school. Um, the golf tournament is, is one big, big one we do. And so um, we've raised uh, you know, over $300,000 uh, in the past year and a half for Ewing sarcoma research, and uh, it's we've been able to give uh, research grants in the amounts of $25,000 and $50,000 the past two years uh, to doctors in order to try to get rid of this disease. You go, Mark Hertzlick. You go. <laughs> Thanks. You go. Seriously. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I will be a keen observer, let's just put it that way, from my position uh, here at NFL Network, and uh, I cannot wait to see, uh, to see what unfolds for you. I really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks very much. You bet, uh, Mark. Thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Yep, it's been great and, and nice to get to know you. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know what? This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. That's right. <laughs> sounds, that's where I'm not. You know, not so. That's the way I'm looking at it right now. And uh, great. yeah, you bet. And and uh, good luck to you moving forward. And again, give me that the website that people could uh, could contact and, and participate in your golf tournament. Yep, it's uh, upliftingathletes.org. Um, you can also. Uh, follow me on Twitter, and I put up all the information on that. It's uh, at Mark Herzlick. Um Pretty easy, pretty simple. There you go. And I, I put up links and information to the golf tournament on that, too. So it'll be a great event. And, you know, if you're not in, uh, in Massachusetts at the time, if you, you know, we love donations. You got it. Mark, thanks for taking the time, man. Thank you. Appreciate Be- best it. Best of luck to you. That's Mark Herzlick joining the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. And let's finish up this podcast with somebody who's been in the National Football League for the last three years, although somebody who hasn't been playing as much as he'd like to. He is the starting quarterback of the Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford, joining the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. Matthew, thanks for phoning in. 
Uh, thanks for having me, man. You bet. Absolutely. I talk with you on NFL Total Access. Now, though, I took my tie off for the conversation. <laughs> a little bit more relaxed setting here on the podcast. Sounds good, Sounds good to me. Does it? I know you're still on the same phone. Does it feel different already? It feels I mean, very different already. Think, I'm, I'm liking this intro. It's already laid back. I, yeah, I, gave, I think I gave you a better intro, though, on the show. <laughs> I don't know. They're both, they're both very nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. Do you remember the first time that we met? Do you remember what that was? Uh, it was in uh, with Sanchez. That's right. Um, at the sprint uh, thing at the Super Bowl a couple years ago. No, it was, no, that was at the at the draft. At the, the draft. draft. No, they all blend That's together. Listen, when yep. you, when you're as popular as you, I understand. I, I, I normally I only answer. I ask questions uh, that I know the answer to already, which is that one. But I, I sort of put that out there because you, you know you meet a lot of people. But yeah, that, I remember that, though. That was a fun time. We it, had a good time. We did. It was the night before the draft. Yeah, that's what it was. In You're New right. York City. And I'll never yep. forget that because uh, at the event, it was just for, for customers for Sprint. It was yeah. me, you, and Sanchez talking. Mm-hmm. Sanchez had no clue that he was going to be back on a plane back to New York the next day at the time. Yeah. No idea. You, however, you had you did you did you know at that point in time? I asked you point blank and I knew you wouldn't give me a straight answer, but did you, you know, know at I, that time that you did the lines were gonna take it the night before? I actually I actually didn't. Um not until probably half an hour before it came out on, you know, ESPN or whatever, did I or, No NFL Network. I no, 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 NFL, NFL Network. <laughs> NFL Network. Yeah, 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 no, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean to correct you, but you know. No, yeah. Okay. Let's get it right, though. Yeah. Um, but uh, not until you know a half an hour before you know everybody knew it. Uh, did I know it? Right. Um, I, I had an idea that it was going to happen, but I was talking to my agent that whole night, and I was like, "Listen, don't call me, you know, uh, and, unless you have something done." And then you know I got the call from Tom Condon, and it was done, and I was I was definitely happy. I was eating dinner with my family and a bunch of people, and then. Uh, you know, the the festivities went on from there. They did go on from there. And I'll never <laughs> forget, though, the night before, again, this is like a, an early evening um, get-together, yep. um, and you walked to the event. You walked yep. like the 10 blocks, right, from your hotel to the event? Yep, yep. Is that the last time you walked somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> no. No? No, it's not the last, but yeah, I know, I was... I was just kind of trying to get to know the city a little bit, you know. I wanted, I like I wanted it. to check it out. Yeah, and and uh, and and also the one thing I also asked you is I asked you fully knowing that the next day you were going to hit it, and uh, as the first overall pick, everybody you know assumed that was going to happen. Um, asked you how much money you had in your wallet at the time. Do you remember how much money you had in your wallet that night? I could not tell you. I have no idea. You, I will. I I remember the answer. You had I, one singular American dollar. In your That's wallet. Beautiful thing. The funny thing is, you ask me that again right now. I think I literally have one dollar in my wallet right now. I'm not even kidding you. Like I, I remember, I was driving. I'm at my grandmother's house right now in St. Petersburg, and I was driving here. I was like, I wonder if I have any cash on me because I brought her lunch. Right. Just one dollar. Just a buck. So a you buck. Get, I can get one of those ninety-nine cent meals or something and split it with grandma. Exactly right. You know, but you got to treat grandma a little better than the ninety-nine cent meal, know. though. I don't know. But it's it, that's that's the neat thing too is you strike me as the a laid back uh, a laid back kid um, with uh, yeah my tie is off actually right now as well is that right so yeah when was the last time you what, when was the last time you wore a tie Seriously. oh gosh probably when you saw me on stage with the commissioner <laughs> <laughs> you don't do the suited and booted thing after after mm, a game not a big suited and booted guy no sir no no just kind of hang out you know or 
luckily I came to the perfect situation. Coach Schwartz is pretty laid back on our attire for a road trip. Right. I can be a you know polo jeans and Air Force Ones kind of guy. There you go. Until until you meet your supermodel wife like Tom Brady, and then yeah. and then and you got to GQ it up a little bit. Understandably. Well, I mean, he was GQ before uh, Giselle. Yeah. You know, but now now she could, runs. Yeah, you, she runs the show, doesn't she? She runs the show. Yeah. And you can't blame him. Doesn't matter no. how many Super Bowl rings you have. Are you kidding? <laughs> can't blame that guy. That's, that's a beautiful thing. How are you doing, man? What's going on with you, Matthew? I'm I'm doing good. I feel great. You know, I'm ready to let the uh, you know get back out there and start playing again. Once the, once the owners and the players come to an agreement and mm-hmm. we can start playing again, man. I feel I feel great. I'm excited about this year. How how up on you are you on the uh, on the negotiations and stuff like that? Do you do you lock in on that? Do you ask questions? I mean, I'm just wondering how how. How up to date you are on on all that? But, um, you know, I kind of hear it as everybody else hears that I'm not, you know, wasting a ton of my time worrying about it. Um, you know, I'm not in the negotiating room, so I can't really affect it mm-hmm. um, too much. But you know, I'm definitely anxious to get out there and and get a deal done and, and get playing again for right. sure. Who's your conduit? Vandenbosch? Is he the guy who knows all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, he's the guy. Most of the guys on our team go to for information, and um, you know, he's a he's a smart guy. He keeps us up to date as, as much as possible, and. Uh, but it's still, you know, it's still a dicey situation. We don't, we don't know as, as much as I think most fans think we know. Mm-hmm. And he's in most of the driver's seat for the player organized workouts for the Lions, right, Vandenbosch? Yeah, he is. You know, he's uh, he's full time down there or up there in Detroit right now. So he, uh, you know, we he helped organize the defense. I helped organize the offense for. Uh, we had one, well, I guess, probably a week, week and a half ago, and then. You know, I think we're probably going to go back up there in uh, early June just because it doesn't look like this thing's going to get done before then. So right. get another week of uh, practice in and, uh, you know, see, take it from there. Now, well, you're one of the f- one of the lucky teams in the, in the fact that there's been no turnover in your yeah, coaching absolutely. staff. You know what I mean? So you're one of those lucky. And, and shoot, you had four four wins in a row at the end of last season, so you have some momentum. Are you, are you working – I'd love to give fans a glimpse of what these player-organized workouts are like. Are you – are you working off of the playbook, like the actual playbook, and and running things as if this was a, an OTA? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it's uh, you know it's probably not as competitive, um, you know, offense versus defense as, as an OTA would be because you know, there's no coaches, there's nobody, you know, really trying to win jobs right now. We're just trying to get back into football mode and mm-hmm. get guys thinking football again. And you know, I've got scripts and and playbooks from last year and and plays from last year with motions and shifts and. You know, everybody on our team can run, line up and run the run the basic stuff. We've been doing it for a couple of years now. But, you know, when I'm in there calling plays during these player things, I'm trying to get, you know, as many motions and shifts and, and tough calls and make people think, you know, get them back into football, back into our offense as I, as I possibly can. So this is useful, the stuff that you guys are doing? I think so, absolutely. You know, I think uh, if you ask most guys out there, you know, are they – you know, when they're running routes and catching with whoever, you know, they're throwing and catching with, are they calling plays – out of the huddle before they do it, and you know everybody's gonna say no. They're just running basic routes, and you know it's it's a good opportunity for receivers and tight ends and running backs and quarterbacks to to think and all be on the same page. So who's your let's let's go over the the your wide receiving core here. You got uh, mm-hmm. you got Megatron, right? Yep. You got Burleson. Yep. Who when when he came here on total access, they superimposed his his hair on mine. Oh, uh, that's a beautiful thing. Actually, it was not. I would definitely. <laughs> Beautiful would would not be the word that leaves to mind. No, I, uh, I saw him for the first time this off season a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Who's this?" 
was the new guy. And there he was. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen me with a frohawk. It looked, it, it, it looked, uh, it looked more like a bad hat. You know, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty, uh, pretty creative. Yeah. So he's there. Um, yep. We got uh, wh- 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 where Derek are we Williams, right. Brian Johnson, and uh, the new kid Titus. Titus Young. Young. He's got some. Uh, he's got some hops. He's got. Yeah, he's got some juice. He can go. You know, uh, he can run and uh, good hands. I've thrown with him a couple times. You know, he catches the ball well. Uh, obviously, you know, he's missing out right now, not being able to mm-hmm. be with the receiver coach every day, teaching. You know, our you know, teaching them the routes and teaching them our conversions and all our concepts. But as far as, you know, raw athletic ability and his ability as a receiver, um, you know, I think he's, I think he's very talented. Now you got Javid Best back there. Mm-hmm. You got him with uh, another, another rookie. You got yeah, uh, another, Mikel Ashore. Uh, is, uh, is Kevin, so got, is Kevin Smith still in the mix or am I? Yep. Yep. Okay. And then, uh, how's he doing? How's he doing? Uh, I haven't really talked to him a whole bunch. To okay. tell you the truth, um, I follow him on Twitter, and he says he's working out a bunch early in the morning and down in uh, Florida. So. Are you on Twitter? Are you tweeting? Yeah, I, I am. I am on Twitter. What? I'm not a huge tweeter, but right. I am on Twitter. What is your what's your what's your Twitter name? Let's get you I'm some more at followers. Staff underscore nine. So like staff nine. So staff underscore nine. Did yep. somebody already have at Matthew Stafford? Did somebody uh, like already have five people? What's I've, had, uh, I've gotten some Twitter battles with some uh, some phony Matt Staffords. For sure, that's weak. Don't you? Think? I, I mean, know. but people. But I guess people want to be you. I guess I don't know. And I didn't the, realize, you know, I was that cool. But apparently, uh, nah, somebody are. wants to be me. You are at staff <laughs> underscore nine. How many followers? Yes, how many followers do you have right now? Gosh, I, I, it's not a very high number. No, the, the, the reason why I ask, it's more about me than you here because yeah, I yeah, want I want to flex. No, no, forget about how many followers I have, even though it's one hundred ninety six thousand. Oh, wow. uh, but it, I want to flex the muscle of the podcast here. Yeah. So you, you basically you give me the number now, and then when the podcast posts, we yep. can see the we'll power of the explode. podcast. So what what do, what do we have? What's your what's I your? I think we're around sixteen thousand. There you go. Okay. So we're we're looking to up that. So Boy, we will. There's no doubt. So let's see what we can do. There's no question. So what is this offense going to look like? Because it, it seems to me this is like uh, you've got some weapons. Certainly yeah, more than when you first got to Detroit. No question yeah. about that. This has been upgraded considerably. It has. And, you know, we have, two, you know, two or three really good tight ends as well. You know, we got Pettigrew and Scheffler and Will Heller, all guys that can, can uh, catch a ball in the middle of the field for us, too. So I think we're going to be extremely balanced. You know, uh, got two very talented running backs that have different styles. And we've got about every type of receiver under the sun, too. You know, we've got the... Um, the shifty, strong, quick guy, and Nate Burleson, and the uh, the freak Megatron, and mm-hmm. then and then you know Titus Young's got some speed. Brian Johnson, six two, big guy, go up catch a fade, and Derek Williams in the middle, great run after catch guy. I mean, we got a lot of uh, a lot of talent, a lot of different type of weapons, which is which is very beneficial to me. I just got to be out there to do it. Yeah. How do we keep you upright, Matthew? How do we do that? Uh, uh, you know, just uh, keep doing what I'm doing. You know, I've I really worked hard this off season, put on some muscle, and and tried to do everything I possibly can to stay healthy. And then from then on out, it's good luck. You know, and uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to be out there all 16, and hopefully some more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doctor James Andrews, you've seen him so much. Do you do you have a pet name for him, like Doctor? <laughs> no, but we are very familiar, and I'm trying to. Uh, Spend a couple of years without seeing him. That'd be nice. <laughs> Do, not Doctor Jim. No, is that not Doctor Jim? 
No, he scares me too much. He's too intimidating. I just call him Dr. Andrews, you know, stick to the normal. Man, because it, it, it just it just strikes me of of how frustrating it really must be for you, yeah. you know. It is, yeah, absolutely. You know, I never missed games in high school or college, and uh, I come here to the NFL, and I feel like I'm, you know, ready to go every year and, and just had some some terrible luck. And, uh, you know, it's, it is frustrating because our team is doing so well, and, you know, we have so many young core guys that are uh, that are making big impacts on our team. I want to be out there doing it with them, and uh, you know, hopefully this year is my year to do it. Right, right. And um, and Dominic and Sue, how, please fill us in on his uh, his role on this team. Because a lot of, I mean, what 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 is his role on this team? I'm just happy he's on our team and not some other team because he's he's abusing quarterbacks out there right now and. He was getting penalties for hitting them too hard, which I didn't know was in the rule book. And well, you can't hit Cutler. Fun. You can't hit Cutler like that. Yeah, apparently not. I don't know, but he <laughs> is, and uh, he's an unbelievable player. He's a great guy, a great teammate, and you know we had Corey Williams in the middle next last year. He's going to be there again this year. Sammy Hill, Nick Fairley. Nick I mean, that's Fairley. that's guys in the middle that uh, that can do it all. You know, stop the run, get after the passer, push the pocket. It's uh, it's going to be fun to watch. So, I mean, for you, four wins in a row at the end of last year. It's been a long time, as you know, for the Lions. I think Mooch mm-hmm. was the coach the last time they had even anything close to a winning record. Yep. Uh, how do you how do you manage expectations in a, in a town where people are, are? I think that I think that people are definitely forget about just in Detroit. A lot of people across the country, when when this league opens back up for business, is going to think um, have high expectations for the Detroit Lions. How, how do you manage this? Well, I think it's easy, you know, for us, especially in our division. You know, we had the Super Bowl champion, the other NFC, um, you know, in the championship game, and you know, Minnesota Vikings have been great for a long time, so we know it's going to be tough. You know, uh, for us as a team, we understand that we're going to have to be prepared every week, and, and uh, especially in division games, and, and go out there and play. And it's it's a tough environment, but it's fun, and, and uh, you know, I think we play in the best division in football. It's, it's a great it's a great one. Well, certainly when you've got, uh, you know, the two teams that played for the conference championship, and mm-hmm. then the one that went on and won the whole league championship, that's 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 half a division. That's deep. Yep, absolutely. That's deep. All right, man. I hope uh, I hope all is well with you. Otherwise, sounds like you're just chilling out. And getting, yeah, I'm, getting I'm doing good. I'm about to put my tie back on at the end of this and there get on with my day. Well done. But hit an ATM first, will you, please? <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. Okay, this is not right. This is not right. <laughs> a man of your a man of your stature uh, should not should not be rolling with a buck. I know. Right. You know what I mean? It's, seriously, I'll see what I can do. you never know. You never know when you might need something. You can't even. You can't, and plus, you can't even tip properly. That's the worst. You don't want to be known as that, Matthew. That's true. You can't true. just. You know, if, when you when you pull your Ferrari up, um, <laughs> you want it parked close by the valet, right? Very true. You got a grease. Always. You got a grease. My, my lime green Ferrari is always. Yes, your lime green Ferrari would definitely be you know prominently displayed in any valet. Uh, you gotta you gotta grease properly, and then you gotta they gotta tip when they pull yep. it around. You're exactly right. I'm just trying to leave you in a better spot than you, than than you were about 20 minutes ago. That's all. Learn something new every day, Rich. Learn something new every day. Matthew Stafford, you're the man. Thanks for calling in. All right, thanks, buddy. You bet. That is Matthew Stafford of the Detroit Lions on the Rich Eisen podcast, presented by Papa John's. And that's it for this program. Want to thank Matthew Stafford. Want to thank Mark Kurtzlick. Want to thank both Gabe Feldman and 
Albert Breer for bringing us up to speed and giving you the proverbial news that you can use on what's going on on the labor front, what you can separate the wheat from the chaff and amaze all your friends that you're not going for uh, all the other news that really doesn't matter on what's happening on the labor front. I give you news that you can use. And Gabe and Albert gave you that. And also Chris Cooley, the one and only Chris Cooley of the Washington Redskins. Next week on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. Could not be more excited to have Rondé Barber and Darren Sharper in our studio with some other surprise guests waiting in the wings as we move this show towards television. This show is going to be on NFL Network, people, sometime this month. I don't know the debut date, but as soon as I do, I will put it on Twitter at Rich Eisen or on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Rich Eisen, and move forward. And I just want to say this right now. I got some tweets from some people who heard me mention the television portion on our previous podcast. I'm not going to change this podcast one bit for television. The television show is going to conform to the podcast, not the other way around. So we're going to still have extended freeform discussions here on this show. And TV is just going to be essentially the greatest hits portion of it. And we'll have some fun. Maybe we'll put some other stuff on the TV show that you don't get here, too. Keep you on your toes. Keep you watching and listening to the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. Stay listening 